This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors, and our goal is to provide our listeners the real facts and the real stats about what's happening in our local market. Might be totally different in Michigan or New Jersey, but right here in the local Central Valley, we're going to give you what's happening here. Um, In fact, today we have a special guest, and he's going to tell us what's happening in a specific part of Fresno. Uh, He might even get into all of Fresno, too. And that is uh, City Council Member Nelson Esparza of District 7. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Great to be on this morning. Thank you. And we also have uh, Kim Huckabee, who is the Government Affairs Director for the Fresno Association of Realtors. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Great to be here. Are you really nervous? It's the first time you've been on the show in six weeks? I'd say 12, but But, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, shaking a little bit. All right. Well, I'll try to make it easy on you. How's that, Kim? I appreciate that. I'll try to take it easy on you, Don. Yeah, I know. I remember that really hard question you asked me once. But anyway, um, I think you you have a few uh, things about Mr. Esparza that you would like to. Yes, bring I will up. gladly. Wait, wait, Kim. I heard hard questions. I think I got to make an exit. Now. <laughs> <laughs> those are only those are only for Don. I I like you. <laughs> No, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, Fresno City Councilman uh, Nelson Esparza, District 7. Uh, He'll tell us a little bit more about uh, that particular district, but a little background. Um, I've actually uh, known uh, Councilman Esparza for quite some time. He is definitely a committed public servant here in in Fresno. He grew up in the Central Valley. Um, Pretty impressive resume. Went to UCLA, master's degree. Um, Let's see. Gosh, you've been doing all kinds of stuff. You were on the Fresno County Board of Education. Uh, You're about at the end of uh, his first term on the Fresno City Council and up for his second term here in 2022. Um, I would say probably, and hopefully we can get into it, but um, he has some impressive initiatives that he's been focusing on uh, when it comes to redevelopment and revitalization, uh, including uh, securing a $345 million infrastructure investment into the Blackstone corridor in downtown Fresno over the next 50 years. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that, but um, maybe that sums it up. Anything else you want to tell us about yourself, council member? You know, you know, thank you for that very flattering I- introduction. Um, you know, not not too much. I, I'm not really good about uh, <laughs> bragging about myself or talking about myself. So I, I do appreciate you bringing up some of my, my bio there. But I think we'll get into it as we uh, navigate through this uh, segment. That sounds good. I will have one tricky question for you at the end. What, what's one thing that you think uh, your constituents, members of Fresno, would be surprised to know about you? So hold on to that. I'm going to come back to it. That's the one she got me on. Okay. All right. But, that's, it, but it only stumbled you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question. What made you want to get into politics or city council? So public service in general, Don. Uh, you know, I sleep good at night when I feel like I'm helping folks. Um, you know, done some stints in the the private sector and really appreciated my time there and sort of learning experience. But um, you know, really, I, I feel good when I'm working for the people. And whether that's in an elected capacity or some other capacity, that's probably what I'm always going to do. Um, so if the day ever comes where I'm not in office, you know, um, I'll, I'll continue to serve and you know somewhere else, just like I did before I was in office. I'm, I'm still teaching at City College, uh, just like I was before. Um, uh, so probably continue teaching. Um, there's what do you, a number of ways you can you can serve your community. What do you teach over there at City College? I teach economics. Yeah, City uh, College, that, yeah. Which is fascinating, just really awesome. When I was there, you weren't a teacher yet then. <laughs> I was think, he born? Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, he's very young. <laughs> Economics was my favorite class at City College. I learned so much there. I failed. Th- I'd take it twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I mean, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy getting to, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to roll my sleeves up and sort of be more hands-on uh, with serving uh, the community. 
right? Mm -hmm. Whereas at the council level and the government level, you're sort of trying to make change from sort of the top down, um, you know, making policy and, and, and guiding projects. Uh, in the classroom, I get to, you know, just, you know, touch people directly and, and be hands-on and get to know folks uh, a little more intimately. Uh, so it, it's great. I, I, I love getting to sort of mentor the students um, and pass on the knowledge. And, you know, I, I like to think of it as we are building the bench of just future leaders in, in, in the city, in the community, uh, building the bench of future business leaders, political leaders, right? No matter what sector you go into, you need a little bit of economics, right, to sort of mm -hmm. guide you and help you understand mm -hmm. how this world uh, turns. Yeah, that's right. So, what does a typical day look like for you? <laughs> the only thing typical about a council member's schedule is, is that there is no typical day. <laughs> um, you should get into real estate, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. Keeps you on your toes, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, you you wake up, you have a calendar punched into your iPhone for that day, and that's going to, it's a rough guide, a rough, rough approximation. <laughs> But, you know, meetings get uh, canceled, extra meetings get put on. Uh, you get a phone call about something that's happening, right? And there might be a, a literal or figurative fire you got to put out. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it's all it's all fun. Uh, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. Um, so, I, I, again, really the opportunity to serve is, it brings me a lot of joy. Um, you know, day usually starts off with my, my daughter, kind of getting her ready and getting her for school. Um, you know, pre-COVID, I was in the classroom pretty early on in the morning, and then you know about uh, a couple days out of the week, and then mid-morning head over to City Hall. Uh, with uh, this sort of new digital age uh, in COVID, um, a lot more time at City Hall, and you know the, the classroom stuff is, is is flexible since it's online right now. Um, grade papers, you know, you got to you have to grade papers at midnight. You're grading papers at midnight, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, so a lot of time in City Hall, a lot of time out in the district, in the community. Uh, sometimes there are sort of more citywide things that take you to other parts of town. Um, so, I mean, it, it's really just comprised of a lot of, uh, a lot of meetings and internally and externally, uh, you know, trying to keep the, sh the spaceship going. That's what we call City Hall, you know, based on the architecture. Um, so, yeah, it's really, you know, really fun, really uh, can be un unpredictable uh, sometimes. Here, okay. I told you I wasn't going to ask you any really tough <clears throat> questions. Uh, this one might be, but when it comes to a decision between something that would benefit District Seven, but maybe not the city as a whole, how do you balance that? Sure. So, I mean, you you really got to look at things from all different angles. But I mean, every council member, all seven of us, are elected to represent our districts, and so you know, you you go in there with your district in mind first. Uh, we have a citywide elected mayor, right, uh, that, that is tasked with balancing the preferences of all Fresnans. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, while, you know, we all want to see the city improve as a whole, I mean, you're elected by your residents, um, and they're counting on you to be their voice uh, when, when they're not there at City Hall. I mean, you're their voice. So you've got to go to bat for your residents. And, uh, I, again, I think you've got to strike that balance between, you know, sort of, advocating for your district and, and doing what's best for the city. And I think usually, right, most Thursdays, we are we are striking that balance and finding that sweet spot. And probably what's good for District 7 is good for district, the whole, the whole city. Because the, yeah. you are the spine or the vertebrae of the city. Yeah, can we talk a little bit about District 7? And, you yeah. know, I'm still figuring out Fresno, so I'm curious. I want to hear about boundaries and the makeup. Well, you know, boundaries and makeup, um, you know, I can tell you all about District 7, the, the District 7 I've represented here over the last several years and even several years before that when I was on the school board. Um, but uh, we're in the middle of redistricting right now. Uh, we had the census last year in 2020. Uh, that means that at all levels of government, from your school board to your council to your state legislators and member of Congress, we are redrawing all of, all of those lines right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, uh, the boundaries of District 7 and Central Fresno um, with that context in mind, right? That sure, you know, yeah, come January changing. is going to be a whole new set of lines uh, across the board. So I'm probably the one guy that's going to be the most perturbed by redistricting. And the reason for that is um, I brought along some statistics from our multiple listing service on District 7. Um, it took me probably 30 minutes to draw the lines i mean because you have a lot of nook and crannies and especially district seven i mean well they're they're all that way 
um, your district goes, let's see, uh, all the way down by, uh, well. Well, as far as far as far south as the UMC campus, which I hope we get to touch on today. Yeah. The University of Medical Campus. Um, as far north as Gettysburg and Blackstone. Mm-hmm. As far east as, you know, there's a very small part there that touches Minnewawa. Um, so as far east as, you know, it creeps into the Sunnyside neighborhood. Wow. And, you know, Don, I mean, you you probably know uh, a decent amount of the history, right, of, of this city and how District 7 came to be um, when we uh, sort of reformed Fresno's government back in the mid-90s. I mean, they carved out, they had to carve out a 7th district per the city charter, right, that, that, uh-huh. was, that was passed. Um, so it, it didn't exist before. And so uh, technically, I mean, the 7th district has been in existence only, what, uh, 25, 30 years. 25, 30 years or so. Yeah, about 25-ish years. Um, So, and I don't think it's undergone, really ever gone, undergone a substantial sort of overhaul in terms of geography. Mm -hmm. So it's all kind of been roughly, there's been some give and take over the years, over the censuses. I'm nodding my head like, sure, I knew all this, but this is why you listen to Welcome Home Radio, because you get to learn something. I didn't know either. I should know this, and I didn't know that. (laughs) All right. But with that, we have to go to our first commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino and Kim Huckabee of the Fresno Association of Realtors. And our guest today is Nelson Esparza, City Councilman for District 7. You got to tell everybody the story, how District 7 is so new. Oh, I'm happy to tell it again. Yeah, I'm happy to tell it again. Um, Yeah, so, you know, back in the mid-90s when we we passed the reforms for our, our city charter and our government, we created the strong mayor, former government, and with that came the seventh council seat. Um, so to make sure there was an odd number uh, of council seats, uh, and I believe the first time anyone ever ran for uh, District Seven was '96. I want to say so. Uh, like you said, Don, we're looking at <clears throat> only a short 25-year existence of this district, and so it didn't exist before; it had to be carved out. Um, and so it's all, always just very interesting to take a look at the geography and. Uh, what parts of uh, the district used to be in other districts, you know, prior to that, and how it's evolved uh, marginally over the uh, several redrawings. It's, it's undergone after the census count, and we're doing that right now. We're right, and I got a question for you on that. Um, as far as <coughs> redistricting goes, are there, I mean, I know it's still it's sort of like all up in the air, right, right now. I mean, it's right in the middle of the process. Are there particular things that you think you know, could benefit, you know, Fresno, your district, or anything you're worried about, you know, how do you feel about all this, you know, the process? What's the, your yeah, so, I mean, right right now, it's very open-ended at this point. I mean, uh, we presented a number of potential maps at Thursday night's, this past Thursday night's hearing. Right. Um, there were some interesting proposals, uh, both that came from the consultant that the city hired, but many more that came from the public. Right. right? The idea, you know, anyone from the public can go to redistrictfresno.com and uh, draw their own map, what you mm-hmm. think the district should look like in Fresno and submit it. And we, by law, you know, as long as it's submitted by the deadline, we got to consider it at a public meeting. That's so, pretty cool. That goes to your point, Don, how you're always asking, you know, how can mm-hmm. a constituent make, you know, if they've got a good idea, how can they present it? This is a perfect example of how, you know, um, regular citizens can have very direct impact on the political process, right? When we're, you know, when we get frustrated, here you go. You know, here's the way. And, and we saw some interesting proposals on Thursday night. Uh, what's very unique about District 7 is um, I, I represent in the city currently the only landlocked district. So I do not touch any of the peripheral or border any other jurisdiction, uh, except some of the county islands, obviously, that we have um, throughout the city. Um, and there were some proposals um, on Thursday night that actually eliminated that, right? That took me all the way out to um, sort of the edge, some of the edges. Uh, so it's very interesting, right? And, and sort of the way you watch the, the politics unfold and how I represent my residents on development issues that are just different interests, right, from, from the rest of my colleagues who, uh, who do border uh, the edges of the city. And it's so important because, I mean, we only do this every 10 years. It really uh, sets the stage for what things look like for a long time. So, yeah, thanks for that. It does, yeah. And we're, you know, in going through this process, I mean, we're just, there's 
so many layers of just sort of regulations and laws you got to follow uh, federal state uh, and even our local charter there there are some there's some language in our local charter Fresno charter that uh, dictates how redistricting must be done so it's it's quite the uh, quite the dance right in, in trying to find the most optimal lines and uh, uh, the lines that are are best for the community right and, and of course consider all the, all of the vast community input that has been uh, provided thus far yeah I have some interesting stats for you that came from our Fresno multiple listing service and um, first of all so far this year from January 1 through last night when I ran these there's been 400 homes sold in just district 7 um, that's actually a pretty that's a lot of turnover um, healthy turnover um, and the amount of, uh, or the average, the median selling price is 245000 Now that, if you were to compare Fresno County, it's, that's up around 375000 In fact, I have that stat too. Let's get yeah, 375000 So, um, it is a, an affordable part of town. You, relatively, you know, uh, the, the way District 7 is drawn currently, we have a very eclectic mix of neighborhoods, you know, all the way up from that, that beginning tip of Christmas Tree Lane, right? So those nice houses on Van Ness, um, all the way down over to uh, more modest homes near Roosevelt, right? You know, in the Roosevelt neighborhood. Um, so a very eclectic mix of, of, uh, of neighborhoods. Um, 400, that, that number does surprise me a, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, the, the market's hot right now. I mean, everyone knows that it's very, very apparent. Um, so that, that number just surprised me a little bit that 400, but mm -hmm. that, I mean, they said that's a healthy amount of turnover is what you called it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And, um, it shows that Fresno is eclectic. Um, it, it's diverse and actually a good place to live. <laughs> yeah. It seems, it seems like in, to your point, council member that um you know you have an eclectic uh, you know constituency and it looks like you know there's something it, as far as housing goes for everyone right it's still affordable you know lower end um but like you said you know all the way up so now this is kind of interesting the on the stats this gives the uh, the average square footage of those 400 that were sold and it's 1285 square feet so Many of the homes that were built, uh, uh, wait a minute, and the average year built was 1947. So uh, it is the inner part of, of the city. So you have older homes. And back then, they just didn't build very big. They, they didn't even think about building a five-bedroom home with a three-car garage back in 1947. <laughs> Nobody even owned three cars. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, smaller footprint homes, you know, a lot of density within the district. As you mentioned, Don, um, you know, I, I, very, I represent very much an urban part of the city, the, the middle of the city, uh, central Fresno. So just to give folks an idea, right, I, I, I take in uh, the Manchester Center, now called the New Manchester, uh, McLean High School, Roosevelt High School. Uh, I take in a large a chunk of the uh, s south and central part of uh, the Blackstone Corridor. Um, so. I, I cut into some of the city college right now mm. on the east side of the train tracks. Uh, so very much inner city Fresno. And so w what you're saying makes sense in terms of the years that these homes were uh, were built and um, you know how, how old they are at this point. Uh, but I will tell you this, Don, with how market how hot the market has been, um, what I've seen come across my desk a little more frequently is uh, you know plans for single family housing. I mean, there's not a lot of opportunity uh, for it because we, it's all pretty much developed and, and built out. But in these uh, these very these the very few empty parcels that we do have uh, that are zoned accordingly, I mean, I'm seeing you know I just we're seeing one pop up right now, 18 homes, right? Uh, another yeah. one, another four homes on I think an acre and a half. Um, so I think typically, from the private sector standpoint. You don't see a lot of those smaller developments. The, the the bigger ones are a little more lucrative and pencil out better. Mm -hmm. But the market's so hot right now that we're seeing single family housing pop up even in my district, right? And those small opportunities mm -hmm. where uh, they present themselves. And that's called infill housing. Yep. A few years back, a friend and I built 
two homes on while well, we set, um, did a lot line adjustment to make it two lots out of one large lot and I think that was in your district you have so many nooks and crannies I'm not sure but it's over by um, Belmont and and Cedar yep yeah that was that's in my district and uh, and, and you're right we call it infill infill development uh, but when you think of infill development, you think more of the multifamily. Right, and you're uh, rising up. Yeah, yeah, but you're talking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I single. mean, seeing the infill uh, being done at the single family level, right, just incredible. And it says right. a lot about how the market is right now. And the the city of Fresno as a whole, you guys are, I mean, I know that you're, you're trying to make, you know, housing, um, you know, a little bit easier, right? You guys are doing everything you can to increase um, inventory as a city, right? And I uh, actually, we just got a call from a staff member over at the city uh, looking for some data from our multiple listing service because you guys are working on a, like a down payment assistance program, right? Uh, well, maybe it's not down payment assistance, but, you know, end goal assistance to get people into home ownership. Home ownership, yeah. Yeah, the administration's working on a program yeah. right now. Anything you can share with us? I know it's preliminary and we're working on it. it, it it's preliminary. I think at this point, the city manager and the mayor might be better suited to yeah. uh, to speak to it. The council's not been involved at this point. That's, okay. that's still kind of a, a proposal that's coming together from them. Well, uh, kudos either us. way. I think it, that's really cool that we're you know trying to find ways to, to do that. Big time kudos because I remember back in the early 90s, the city and the county had a down payment assistance program. That helped our market so much. It got people into home ownership. Those people right at the, the cut, you know, some, you know, they've been trying, they got their credit up, they've done everything right, but sometimes they just need that little bit of, you know, well, yeah, push you know, incentive, in, I know. In this market, I mean, a 20% down payment is, I mean, way out of reach for, mm. for many residents, you know. Um, and so, yeah, any help you can provide, whether at the local level, whether it's an FHA loan at the federal right. level, um, you know, give folks who have the ability, um, but sort of are, are marginalized out of it uh, through mm -hmm. the sort of standard uh, traditional structure of, of home buying. Yeah, it's just one more tool in the toolbox. So, right. Yeah. And, Very cool. And the FHA and the VA programs, VA, you don't even need a down payment. The veterans cover that. Well, you can do a conventional these days for 5% down too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, My yeah. daughter just did one of those. Yeah. Incredible. It is. There's a lot of options. All right. Um, why would you say somebody should move to Fresno? Uh, the, the other day I had uh, somebody who's looking at relocating to the Fresno area from the East Coast. And um, what, what if you had a couple of minutes to talk and say, well, all right, this is, these are the good parts of Fresno. This is why you should be here. What well, would you in, say? No, I mean, as a, as a city leader, I mean, I, I think we're striving to make all parts of Fresno good parts of Fresno. Um, you know, what you've seen from this council is really a sort of historic investment in neighborhoods that have traditionally been left behind, um, uh, trying to sort of level, level that playing field, elevate them right to those neighborhoods that you, what you, you said, Don, have considered, uh, been considered good parts of Fresno. So we want all of Fresno to be great Fresno, good parts of Fresno. Um, you know, what I would say to these, to folks prospectively looking at Fresno is, you know, beyond, uh, beyond all of what we've been talking about. I mean, it's really a place you can call home. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are a growing, burgeoning city. We're the fifth largest city in this state. Um, and in spite of uh, so how, how large we are, we manage uh, to still have that, that social capital that makes it feel like a small town. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so beyond you know any of the stats we can throw at them uh, or homes we could show them or parts of town we could show them or amenities, I mean, it's really... Um, uh, again, a place you can call home. I'll second that as someone who I, I'm going on maybe a, getting close to a year I've been in Fresno. And I think, yeah, it is the fifth largest city. And it's, you know, there's a lot going on, but it still has that small hometown welcoming feel. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'd say that, um, you know, it, it is continuing to grow. I mean, we're seeing that um, in the uh, in the census data. Um, and we're, we're going through some of those growing pains, right? And, and as we move from sort of, uh, uh, even though we are a large city, we're moving from sort of mid-sized city status to big city status. And we're seeing those growing pains. Um, but along with those pains, many opportunities. Right, right? Such yeah. as uh, the University Medical Campus and those 30 acres in the middle of the city that we're looking to develop. Yeah, um, so I hope we can get into that in the next segment. I wanna hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. 
often say that or tell people that are considering moving here that Fresno is more like a little town in Kansas than it is the rest of California <laughs> because we are our own island. We're, we're not attached. Like in Southern California, you probably have 50 cities attached to one another. Uh, but over here, it's just Fresno and Clovis are attached. Um, the rest of that is countryside, and it's a small town feel. And I love that wherever you go, everybody knows your name, <laughs> just like just like Cheers. That's right, Don. And, and you know, we, you know, you're right. We're we're the big city. We're the big fish here in the San Joaquin Valley. Um, I like to say that we are the metropolis of the, the San Joaquin Valley. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So you know, very, very, um, I, I think a very appealing place to live. You know, uh, I'm, I'm glad to live here. I love home. Came back home after school um, and going to be here. All right. Hope uh, before we go to commercial break, hope you don't mind. I'm going to steal your words here. Please. A place you can call home. I like that. So uh, that'll be a good pitch. Um, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. We'll be back right after this commercial break. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Tim Huckabee here, Government Affairs Director of the Fresno Association of Realtors. And we also have City Council Member Nelson Esparza here, and thank you for coming in and sharing your 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 work with us. So, uh, speaking of that work, tell us about the Fresno EIFD. It, it's and what real, does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? It, it's a real mouthful, right? It's yeah. so EIFD stands for Enhanced Infrastructure Financing District, um, and and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's it's a set of boundaries where we are uh, bringing in dollars to reinvest into infrastructure. Uh, the history, brief history of this is, uh, Don, you're probably familiar with, with redevelopment agencies. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> My <laughs> mother, this is what I remember. My mother in her Italian accent, she would say, we're going to go down to the redevelopment agency. <laughs> oh, redevelopment. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so, you know, redevelopment was abolished now, it's going on 10 years, right. with Governor Brown. Uh -huh. oh, that's he, right. He abolished the agencies, he made spare parts of it, and sent, you know, some of that funding back to education and other sectors. Uh, but what that did was that left local governments, municipalities, uh, without a real key economic development tool. Granted, there were issues with redevelopment agencies. Uh, so what the state legislature did, uh, probably about the middle of this decade, is they started to sort of reincarnate it, um, reincarnate re redevelopment in the form of these different uh, tax increment financing districts. Uh, some were, some were sold, uh, there's other ones called CREAs, uh, Community Reinvestment, um, it, well, boy, I'm very forgetting all the different acronyms. <laughs> you, you should get into real estate. We, we yeah, are the acronym kings. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, you've got a number of, of different tools, but uh, taking a look at what, which one might be the best for Fresno, um, you know, the EIFD really rose to the top. And so what I've done here in, in my efforts to um, accelerate redevelopment in downtown along the Blackstone Corridor, which I cover most of the central and southern portion in my district, we drew a boundary around uh, downtown and up Blackstone to Gettysburg. Uh, and what happens is uh, as property values uh, increase or as properties get uh, flipped and increase in value, we are taking uh, a portion of that increase in value in terms of the increased uh, property taxes. So it's not, a, it's not at all an increase in taxes. It's just as, as the property values grow and more property taxes are paid, we are taking from that baseline up about 30% of that growth. Is it like an assessment on your property tax? Not, nothing additional, no. It, it, it's, it's, we're, uh, so it like used to go into a different pot and now it's go, it correct. being sort of earmarked. Yeah, so that 30% that of the growth only, not 30% right. of the property taxes, 30% of the growth only, right, from the time we established the district, uh, moves into this pot of funding. And just like redevelopment, right, can be mm -hmm. reinvested into those boundaries to improve the infrastructure. And with the EIFD, I mean, it's an extremely versatile tool. I mean, we're, I mean, you could build a library, you could reinvest it in, uh, you know, just again, base, basic infrastructure. Um, the way 
I want to utilize the EIFD is really as um, a catalyst for mixed-use development mm. uh, in downtown and along, along Blackstone Corridor. Along awesome. Blackstone. That, uh, Blackstone, I remember you, when I was a kid, that was the place. That was, uh, it seems to need some help now. So what kind of help is on its way? Yeah, I mean, uh, with respect to the EIFD, again, there are a number of opportunities. As Kim had mentioned at the very beginning um, of the show, uh, right now we're projected to bring about $345 million over the next 50 years, right? So this is, this is not something we're going to flip right over, right, by, by the end of my first term next year. Um, this is really a, a long-term investment uh, to turn Blackstone around. <clears throat> it, it does need some help. Um, there are businesses there, um, you know, some are thriving, some, some are not. Um, but ultimately, again, I think the vision for that is going to be housing, uh, mixed-use development, a little more commercial. Um, most of that corridor is zoned uh, mixed-use, and there are different levels of mixed-use. So you're looking at anywhere from three to five stories. Uh, and we're seeing some of that pop up um, right now. Uh, you, you, you drive by City College. You look at the southwest corner of Blackstone and McKinley, you've got uh, a housing development that just went up there, 88 units, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, the mixed use stuff is really just like the way of the future, especially in these urban areas. I think you're seeing just a lot of success with it across you know, the country, I, um, seeing it grow. Yeah, for our listeners that don't really maybe understand what mixed use looks like, maybe an example. Sure. So, so I mean, mixed use development. I mean, in, in an ideal world, uh, you have maybe about a floor for you know, so you have a I wouldn't call it a high rise, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe anywhere from three to five stories, and even higher if you're ready to go into downtown. Mm -hmm. But you know, on, on Blackstone, three to five stories with that first floor, right, as essentially commercial space. Mm -hmm. uh, so you could have businesses in there. You could have a library in there. Uh, what you're seeing on the first floor of that McKinley Blackstone development, you're seeing uh, it's going to be a, a health clinic and also a, a, a small senior center. Right, so um, you can even bring services into the neighborhoods that, that need them most, right? Absolutely, and when I, when this is, this is sort of news hot off the press, uh, with those same folks, those same developers, we just locked in uh, a very similar project at Clinton and Blackstone, the awesome. southwest corner there. It's about two and a half acres they're going to develop on, and that's going to be about 78 units, I wow. believe. So very similar to what you saw, what you're seeing right now at McKinley Blackstone. We just locked that in um, in record timing um, at Blackstone and Clinton, and we're expecting to break ground on that probably around April, late spring. Well, God knows we need the inventory, so that's awesome. And we love the hot off the press, right, Don? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you heard that's it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So um, you say that'll hold how many uh, new homes or, or new living units on Blackstone and Clinton? That that unit, that development is going to be about 78 units. 78. So you've it, got 88 at McKinley and another 78 coming at Blackstone. You know, I we have the housing element, uh, the city's housing element. I did not bring it with me, but we could take a look and we could we can really, from a, a technical perspective, carve out and give you a number of mm -hmm. how many housing units the Blackstone has in terms of potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredible. Oh. Yeah. And that would really help make Blackstone, the Blackstone corridor, corridor vibrant again to it, get it, when people live there and, and walk around and walk to the coffee shop and walk to the grocery mm -hmm. store, it's vibrant. Yeah. And, and to be clear, Don, I mean, the Blackstone corridor, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, very commercialized as you're, as you're driving along the corridor. But you you walk you know you know into the neighborhoods going east or west. Those are all my, my the residents I, I represent. Mm -hmm. So there are there are people there, right? And mm -hmm. we're looking for uh, sort of a, a jumpstart catalyst in terms of economic development right. um, in those neighborhoods. So this might be a silly question, but um, you know mixed use, like you said, there, there's different levels and you know different ideas of what that is. Uh, sort of you know in your vision in the mixed use is it like so some of these maybe our rentals some are for actual ownership and then you have commercial space is that i mean so it's really sort of a group it's serving all kinds of different needs in the mixed use arena is that y yeah you know? You, know, you know kim um i so definitely the 
re, you know, multifamily mm-hmm. rental units, definitely commercial space. And again, anything from restaurants to a sure. health clinic to, you know, I mean, whatever you can fit into commercial space, right? Yeah. You get creative. Um, I think where we are not far along enough in Fresno is we have not advanced the conversation about ownership uh, and, and those different kinds of developments. Yeah. We, we have a little bit of that here in downtown, um, but sort of that, that condo model mm-hmm. that you see, uh, you know, New York, for example. Sure. Um, you know, I, I don't think we've advanced that conversation along enough yet in Fresno because um, they're all, you know, we, we can we can and we are building rental units. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about ownership? Right? Yeah, because, right, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, all the statistics and data show that when people are invested and own, right, they've got more pride, they're taking care of the, you know, they're, they're invested. I mean, they want to make sure that, you know, their community is kept there. They're, they're in it for the long, the long haul. So I look forward to, you know, I'm, I know you're, you're getting there, but I think that that'll be awesome. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the closer we get to hopefully alleviating the housing crisis, Amen. Uh, hopefully the closer we get to that, that conversation right now, I think we're at a point where, I mean, we, we need units. Um, if 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 I, my belief is that if you build it, I mean, folks will will rent it. Uh, oh, for sure. Affordable housing, market rate housing, um, you know, senior affordable housing. I mean, there's a need for all of it. Um, so my my hope, again, my hope is that as we progress through the sort of different stages of this crisis, we can get to uh, talking more about the ownership component of the. The multifamily. Obviously, we're talking about home ownership in terms of single family. Right, right. Um, but yeah, we, and we, I mean, we see those models a little more prevalent across other parts of the country. Yeah, not so much here yet. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I've been to Manhattan. I've seen it. So, <laughs> yeah. So very, very fascinating uh, arrangements that they, they have there. Right, and the fact that people don't really have cars. In fact, cars become a nemesis to them. You know, they got to find a place for them to park and expensive uh, to park. Yeah, Passing. right. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I've ridden your bus rapid transit up and down the Blackstone Corridor. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, um, last time, let's see, your predecessor, Clint Olivier, mm-hmm. just before the show he was going to be on, I went and rode the bus rapid transit. And when I told him that on the show, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, hey, if we're going to talk about it, I got to know what it, what it's, what it is. Yeah, no, it, and, and now, I mean, all these years later, it's um, it's a little more of a common thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, you provide that kind of service, and especially with respect to public transportation, it, it takes time, right? I mean, you sort of, you build it, and that's, that's a, that is one of those public services where um, there is a little bit of uh, a lag time, right, between it, it, it comes and, you know, folks uh, make the transition slowly, um, right, into, into utilizing it, um, but I think, I'm not, I mean, you know, Clint was surprised. I'm not surprised to hear that you've ridden it. Oh. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> well, that's Clint for you. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to go to our next commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940. E- oh, I was about to say ESPN. It's K-Y-N-O. Sure. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and Kim Huckabee, Government Affairs Director of the Fresno Association of Realtors, and Mr. Nelson Esparza, who is the District 7 Councilman for the City of Fresno. So just this week, some big news about the City of Fresno making an offer to purchase a big chunk of land and buildings. Can you tell us about that? Yes, sir, Don. Uh, we made an offer to the County of Fresno uh, to purchase the University Medical Campus. <clears throat> That's down at, excuse me. <clears throat> That's okay. Lost my that voice always there. happens to me when a <laughs> microphone gets in front of me. I could go the entire day and never have to clear my throat. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> until I'm on the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited about the offer we made, that city made, uh, to the County of Fresno to purchase the University Medical Campus, UMC campus, down at Kings Canyon and Cedar. Um, as you folks know, the hospital's been vacant since 07 now. Oh, wow. Um, a, a very long time. Um, one of my first jobs out of college uh, was not, obviously the hospital was, still, was vacant at that point, but I worked in the commissary building on the campus. I was a, a 
CalWORKs worker for the Department of Social Services of the of the county. Um, so I, you know, I have a bit of a history at the campus. I used to, used to work there, um, and I'm excited at the opportunity for the city to purchase it. Uh, what we plan to do if we're successful at acquiring that property is flattening it. I mean, just flattening it, cleaning it up, and preparing it for site development. Um, and we, you know, it is extremely rare to find 30 acres of that kind of prime real estate in the middle of urban Fresno. Uh, yeah. So a hell of an opportunity. Right. And that area is serviced by the bus rapid transit Absolutely. along the Kings Canyon corridor. A lot of shopping. Um, yeah. yeah, I I could see that working well. It, it, and, it, and it will. I mean, we, we need to get our hands on it. And, and I think once we flatten it and, and prepare for site development, I think we're going to have folks climbing over themselves to 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 bid on on, you know, developing that property we're mm -hmm. gonna I, I i don't anticipate it'll be just one developer i mean we're gonna split it up into several different sort of pads and um you know we're gonna do some green space there that is it, you know paid for by the city um but ultimately right we're gonna have uh mixed-use development at that property um and housing is a must i mean mm -hmm. given our housing crisis i mean it, it's a must excellent excellent what if you if, if we're in your control uh, what do you think the timeline looks like? How fast do you think you guys can push this through? In, in, in the most ideal world, the most ideal uh, uh, circumstances, uh, the county would say yes right to the offer uh, that we made them. <clears throat> we made them an offer of $4.25 million. Uh, that is higher than the $4 million that they were going to sell to a previous developer for who, who botched uh, the project. Um, so they'll accept our offer. And you know, once we acquire it from the point of acquisition, it would take us about 12 months uh, to flatten it out and clean it up and, and get it ready. And then at that point, we'd you know, put out some RFPs, requests mm -hmm. for proposals, um, and see what kind of interest uh, uh, we get from, from private developers, private folks. Um, you know, the mayor and the city manager told me on Thursday that ideally, and again, in their, in their sort of best case scenario, we could be giving folks the keys to their new home or apartment uh, in 36 months. Incredible. Uh, but but think, I mean, things need to move along accordingly. And one of thing course. I've learned being in city government and just government in general, right, is um, always account for the unknown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, always account. Which actually, I have one more question. I'm sorry, I, Don's probably giving me a stink eye over here. I'm taking over <laughs> the show. But I just have one uh, one thing when you say it, you know, it's one thing you've learned. So this is your first term. And I had, well, I had two hardballs for you, but what is the most surprising thing that you've learned being a council member when you, you know, you actually get your keys? Is it exactly as you thought it would be? Uh, what's surprising? What's what, what shocked you? Kim, I mean, I, I, I mean, a lot of people don't believe this, but this this job is is roughly what I what I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the only surprise, I guess, the part that surprised me um, the most was uh, just sort of the, you know, how, how City Hall operates internally, right? Sure. Within it. Um, mm -hmm. Externally facing, you know, to the residents and such. Um, you know, it, it, it's exactly what I thought it would be. But mm -hmm. there's all these sort of uh, nuances, right, that you, you need to learn to navigate uh, the building, the spaceship uh, that we call City Hall, to navigate it accordingly. Um, and so those, thing, those things you just pick up, right, as you're, as you're there and you're around. Um, and you know Fresno has a very, very unique form of government outlined in our city charter, mm -hmm. you know, passed by the voters. Um, so you know it, it differed from a lot of other municipalities uh, across the state and across the nation. So very interesting form of government we have, and <clears throat> knowing how to effectively navigate it to get things done. Um, so I know a, a bit of a detour for for Don, but I appreciate you asking that, that yeah. question. Yeah. That'd be interesting for our listeners. No, no detour, and I'm used to Kim interrupting, so <laughs> that's not a problem whatsoever. This is true. <laughs> we, we've been in several meetings before where uh, all of a sudden it's like, okay, go ahead, Kim. Just <laughs> take when it I start, away. I start tapping my foot. <laughs> all right. Um, and I got to tell you this story. That I had a client who lived over by Fres let's see, First and Ashland. He was about a 94-year-old man, 
And he was telling me, he goes, a fine young man knocked on my door the other day. He's running for city councilman. Uh, he goes, let me see. His name is Nelson, Nelson Esparza. And, and first of all, I got to tell you, this guy was sharp. He could tell you everything about what happened in Fresno in the 60s, the 50s. Um, and, but he spoke very highly of you. And he was a good judge of character, I guess, because he even said he liked me. <laughs> so. I, I, love, I, love, I love that I, I love to hear that Don I mean I don't believe it but I like to hear no, it but he, I guess you were just out campaigning door knocking and you got to speak with him do you remember a guy named Peter Freshu oh yeah oh yeah I mean I, you know fo folks would be surprised at, at how much you remember and what you take away from these conversations I mean over the years uh, between my campaign for the school board and the city council I've knocked on thousands of doors in, in mm -hmm. Fresno, and uh, sometimes you don't always remember the faces or, or the uh -huh. names in particular, but you always remember the stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, always. So true. Always. Um, and, and that's really the takeaway you, you need to represent your uh, residents at City Hall effectively or any, any institution, any level of government effectively. So if somebody like Peter or me came up with a brilliant idea that was just going to transform the city of Fresno, how do we logistically go about presenting that to you, to the city council, to affect change? So in other words, I'm asking our listeners to, to pay attention. If you've got great ideas, how do you move them forward? You or wanna, do we just sit back and complain? No, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question, Don. I mean, we live in, I mean, we live in a democracy and the great thing about that is there are a number of ways to, dip, to engage your uh, your elected representatives. Uh, so number one, vote, right? So that you have a voice in, in who gets there in the first place. Uh, and then once your elected representative is there in the office, I mean, if you want to address the whole council, uh, you can come to any city council meeting and uh, you get three minutes to speak in, in unscheduled communication. or and, and also, in addition to that, three minutes on every item that we hear. Um, but in terms of engaging you know, the council members and the mayor directly. I mean, hey, uh, write us a letter, shoot us a phone call, right? You can reach any of the council members' offices or the mayor's office at 621 8000, 559 621 8000. Email us. Uh, we, get, we still get uh, letters in the mail uh, from folks who prefer that form of communication. Uh, so, social media now is huge. I think almost every council member has uh, like a, a council member f uh, uh, Facebook page and/or Twitter page. Um, so there's really just a number, a number of ways you can engage. I, 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 if you want to, I mean, uh, if you're really set on contacting and getting your ideas across, we're here more, both again, privately through those, through those mediums and also come to city council meeting, right. listen in and you can nowadays, you can do it from your home, from your office. Uh, we, myself and council member Tyler Maxwell ran a resolution a couple months ago and made this hybrid form of government a form of council meetings permanent <clears throat> so this covid hybrid uh meeting setting where you can zoom in or come in person which i think is is awesome i mean you think about you know mom of three out there she's got to go to work but maybe she really does have that idea and she can't get down to city council at that particular you know particular time having the ability um to uh, you know make your comments share your idea or your you know your beef uh you guys are making that possible and um yeah i think that that's that's awesome I have one more thing i want to throw out before we run out of time i just want to say thank you to you uh council member because you are so incredibly accessible and uh you know so knowledgeable you know for us you know the association of realtors um on housing issues i appreciate that you know uh our members and myself can uh you know pick your brain and you give us a you know heads up you know housing housing things we need to talk about so uh it's really nice to see uh, elected officials that are so accessible and uh you know willing to participate and help so thank you yeah, I, and I can tell a story about several years ago during the foreclosure crisis where we, the realtors, being on the streets and having that on-the-street experience was able to bring to a city council meeting a unintended consequence that would have happened had this ordinance gone through. City council was so good about listening to us. 
in fact, they postponed the vote on it, put it off for a couple of months. I had to go to like three meetings with city staff and we helped craft a better ordinance, something that was workable, something that didn't put the brakes on, on our industry. So, uh, yeah, going to city council helps. But I do have to say, if you go, you have three minutes to talk. Don't spend your first one minute telling everybody how nervous you are. Because three minutes goes by fast. But it's it's got to be fair. Is that not true, Nelson? <laughs> it, it, it's got to be fair, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the time limit does, uh, t three minutes is standard, but the council president does reserve the right to sort of shorten or extend that. Uh, depending on the circumstances, right? If there's people repeating hot, themselves, <laughs> yeah, super hot item, you know, um, and we've got a hundred people in the chambers lined up, you know, I think, you know, usually you'll see maybe a two minute, yeah. <laughs> two minute limit, but Hey, you know, get in there, feel comfortable. It's your government. Um, I'll tell you this, a lot of folks walk up to the microphone and they say, uh, you know, thank you. You know, thank you for allowing me to speak. Mm -hmm. And you know, in my head, I'm, I'm thinking you can think this for a lot of things, right? Being, uh, an elected can can be a thankless job, and you know, I we appreciate the thanks, right? You think it's for a lot of things, but thanking us for allowing you to speak—that's that's not one of them. I mean, that that's your right. Uh, I'd say, dare say, your responsibility, <laughs> right? To, that's to, a great to, point. To I love speak that. Speak to us, you know. Responsibility. So, so if you come, you know, if you come up to the the microphone at City Hall and during count, don't thank us for a lot of things, but don't don't thank us for allowing you to speak. That that's your right, um, and we're there to listen and we're there to represent you accordingly. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. That wraps up our show. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Nelson, for being here. And thank you especially to all our listeners for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. We'll be back next Saturday. Bye.